This is Pax What She Said. Now, here's Perry Goldstein and Maggie Loney. Before we switch, I don't know if you have more thoughts on the defense, but, you know, we talked a little bit about uh, in the recap show what the what we thought the expectations were for the defense if Jair does play. If Jair does play on Sunday, it sounds like he's day-to-day. He was limited in practice on Wednesday. I think he's going to kind of stick in his boundary spot, and Rasul is going to kind of maintain that nickel role. Do you think Barry's going to get more creative with his personnel packages, knowing that he's got a guy like Nixon who can come in and spells? Do you think Jair will be on a pitch count like David Bakhtiari was? It's very good questions. Um, I can see it going a number of ways. What I think Joe Barry is going to end up doing is just stick, like I said, with his base and have Jair and Stokes on the boundary and Sewell in the slot. Now, you made a very nice kind of breakdown of what the Bucks receivers are able to do and why it wasn't necessarily working against Rasul because they've got those shifty slot guys, really nice speed, and Rasul was having a hard time in man on them. I don't think that's going to be the issue against the Patriots. So I could see him keeping him in the nickel at his spot where he's been playing pretty well. But at the same time, if Jair is not necessarily fully healthy, I could actually see there being a bit of a rotation where he comes into the slot a little bit. Or like you said, they rotate him out. They bring Nixon in because Nixon played so well. So if that's the case, it's at least nice to know that there's someone on the depth chart who can Jair doesn't have to go a hundred percent. I don't, I don't think the Packers will, and I wouldn't want them to push Jair back, especially for this game. They have a really long stretch ahead of them and they have some hard games coming down the pipeline later on in the season. I think that if they can handle the bucks last weekend without Jair, they can handle the Patriots this weekend without him as well. So I think easing him back. I think a pitch count is probably what they'd end up doing if they, I love that we're using a baseball reference for football, <laughs> by the way. Um, a snap, a snap count would be appropriate. Yeah. I've been thinking about that. And, you know, I think a direct quote from Matt LaFleur was, you know, if you think too far ahead, you get your ass whooped. So yeah. clearly it's not what he's doing, but you know, they asked him about, Um, If you have to start prepping at all earlier, changing your routine at all to fly to London next week, because we know, obviously, the Packers were thankful to have a home game against the Patriots, and then they travel abroad for the first ever international game or their first ever London game, I should say, in week five against the Giants. And LaFleur said, like, no, we can't think about looking too far ahead right now. The schedule stays exactly the same. We have to focus on the New England Patriots. So while I completely agree, I also think that you know, to your point, it's a good opportunity for them to let some of these guys rest because they're going into such a daunting stretch next week where you consider things like jet lag and travel and, you know, these soft tissue injuries that you want to give some time to heal because, you know, you don't want to put Jair out there at Lambeau, have him retweak something and then have him unavailable for a stretch of not harder opponents, you know, to say, but just, you know, where the caliber maybe is a little bit more tricky with, with things like travel. So I think that he doesn't play Sunday. If I guess if I had to put money on it, if I had to guess, I I say Jair sits this week and, you know, I would be kind of surprised if he did play, but I think that maybe they would have forced him back or not forced him, but brought him back sooner. Had a guy like Nixon not had such a good game the way he did on Sunday. Yeah. 
I could see it. They're Packers are notoriously cautious about injuries, especially soft tissue injuries, and especially this early in the season. So I'm fine with it. I think this is an opponent where it's all right if Jair sits out. And that's no disrespect to the Patriots at all. It just means they have Nixon. He played quite well. And I think that they can they can deal with that for another week. Yeah, and I think sometimes you have to take into account like the the extracurriculars and the other factors. Like, you know, the Packers made it work in Tampa where it was 95 degrees and guys were literally puking on the sidelines and, you know, cramping up on the field. And you're going, you know, at you're at home at Lambeau. I think it's gonna be like 60 degrees. It's been in the 50s this week in Wisconsin. Like, you know, the the weather is different. There's no travel involved this week. It's your home crowd, so you're not playing against you know, stadium noise and other factors. So I think just that kind of advantage as well would make them maybe feel a little bit more comfortable. And it's not an NFC opponent. Not that you ever want to drop a game, period. But the stakes are a lot different when you're talking about playing a New England team at home versus a team like the Bucs away. Yep, absolutely. Before we switch, I did want to bring something up with you. And I know it's only we're only going into week four, but I've been thinking about some of the players or things that I'm going to be watching for on Sunday. And I don't feel like Adrian Amos has been playing up to his standard of ball so far this season. And that's not to say that he's been bad because he hasn't, he's still Amos and he still looks great, but he's certainly been, I think missing a couple coverages when it's his, you know, when it's his guy um, and has not been tackling nearly as well as we've been used to. What is our concern level for an Adrian Amos right now at safety? I think mine is pretty low. And I say that because the rest of the defense has been maybe making up for it. Like I know he was in on the the Quay Walker forced fumble. So he was kind of involved there. The first couple weeks, I maybe would have said the same thing about Darnell Savage. And I thought he had his best game through three weeks, you know, against the Bucks. So I think part of it could be just like the defense kind of coming into its own. And mm-hmm. I, I agree with you that week one, both of the safeties looked really off. And I think a lot of that was kind of the coverages and the way that Justin Jefferson was dictating the play on the field. Um, but I, I think they're going to settle down a little bit. And I think part of that is, you know, just kind of learning what this middle of the defense is going to look like with a guy like Quay Walker in there more. But yeah, I would think that I think if you asked him about it, he would definitely say that he's not playing up to his normal standard. But I would say like me personally, when I watch it, my concern level is still pretty minimal. Yeah. Interesting. It's just something that's jumped out at me. And I think maybe we've just been spoiled with the fact that Adrian Amos simply does not make mistakes. Right. And it's very rare for him to blow a coverage or to miss a tackle or to really simply do anything incorrectly. So there is some grace there as well. But I agree with you. I think the defense is figuring itself out and it's playing at such a high level that maybe I'm just scrutinizing a little bit. My my concern is still low. I still believe. (laughs) I just... I want to see them extend him. So I'm watching for, you know, the kind of season that we expect from him. And so that's why I've just been like, Oh yeah. And I mean, I think, I think the safety tandem in general is something that we're going to have to look for not to completely derail the show, but you know, we talked about going into the draft that safety could be one of their pressing needs in the first couple rounds. And they obviously didn't take a safety until Tariq Carpenter, but you've got Adrian Amos who is, you know, due for an extension. And then you've got Darnell Savage, who's got a fifth year option and then nothing. So 
definitely the safety position I think is kind of in flux. But one more thing I did want to talk about actually before we switch to the offensive side of the ball is that if you would have told me through the first three weeks of the season, especially after the way that the Packers started against the Vikings, that the Packers defense would be first in the league in third down conversions, I would have thought that you were insane. But the Packers are first in the league in third down conversions. There have been 31 attempts at third downs, only seven conversions. That's a 22.6% success rate. And, you know, say what say what you will. Maybe that means, you know, week one, the Vikings were converting on first and second down and they didn't need to get to third down. But what we've seen from them as far as growth the last couple of weeks and really kind of locking up, they're also eighth in the red zone on defense, which is pretty significant. There have only been six trips total to the red zone, and three mm-hmm. of those have resulted in touchdowns. So that equates to, to one red zone score each week. And I just think that that's been really impressive considering third down defense and the red zone defense in particular was such an Achilles heel for this Packers defense until the very end of last season. Yeah. And those scores have all come on the first drive, which is the Packers just kind of letting, letting the offense play out and then clamping down on them, which has kind of been their style for a couple of seasons now. That's very impressive. Listeners can't see my face when Maggie was reading those third (laughs) down stats, but my eyebrows were like up through the roof those are the huge moments where you want your defense to step up and be, and obviously you want to limit. That means they're also limiting what happens on first and second down, right? Mm -hmm. They're, they're keeping offenses to short gains, getting them into third down positions and then winning when they are there. So those are keys to success. I mean, we've seen the Packers go force three and outs. I don't, I would love to see their, numbers on three and outs, but a lot, right. There's been a lot of punts against this defense. So I think those stats make sense with what we're seeing when we're watching. 2400 sports is an odyssey company. 